When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not a good team. But they aren't far off either. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. The Pittsburgh Steelers are six and eight. But among those games, there's there's some very interesting numbers when we break them down that point to the Steelers maybe being closer to good than we might think. When we look at games by opponent's record right now, since uh, the loss to the New York Jets, the Steelers have beaten every single team that currently has a losing record on their schedule, and they've lost to every team with a winning record, most of them by not very much. When we look at games without a turnover, when the Steelers don't commit a turnover, they're 6-1. and one. Included in that is a victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, kind of as their season started to unravel. The Cincinnati Bengals, two games against the Bengals. One they won in overtime, and one they lost by seven points. Now, I don't want to overstate how close the second Bengals game was. They had an onside kick with 45 seconds left, down seven. You're not completely out of it, but that's not exactly the closest game. You scored to make it a closer game and then had a, you know, a Hail Mary kind of shot at maybe having a chance to tie it up. So that wasn't too close, but that's not far off either. A seven-point loss is still not that far off from being competitive with the Bengals, who are a good team. Since the bye week, the Steelers are 4-2 and two with the loss to the Bengals, and a loss to the Baltimore Ravens by two points that involved three really bad interceptions from their quarterback. The Steelers don't seem to be that far off. On the other hand, when we look at their roster, and we start saying, what do, we need, what do the Steelers need to do to take that next step? Things start to get a little more interesting. For example, on offense, there's some serious questions here. Uh, I'm going to start with the offensive line. The offensive line has played great most of the time. And then games where they're just overmatched by the talent on the other side, the Steelers aren't going to get anything going. If you're going to be able to rely on your offensive line to be a major component in winning a game, that offensive line is going to have to be able to beat really good defensive lines or you're going to lose to every team with a really good defensive line. 
That's just the case. So you need to upgrade talent on the offensive line. The good news is the execution from the offensive line. Maybe not the physical ability of the guys, but the execution is really good. When they face defensive lines that can't just physically manhandle their offensive line, they do a really good job now. They're actually executing the offense well. They're winning the matchups they can win. The problem is the ceiling, the the talent ceiling on a lot of the players on that offensive line is not great. And they're not beating high-end defensive line talent. So to be a good team, the Steelers kind of need to get one, maybe two high-end offensive linemen on the offensive line. That's that's rough. That's 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 kind of a you know that's that's adding some serious money or some serious draft capital into the equation. We move to quarterback. We look at the two quarterbacks the Steelers have, Uh, Mitch Trubisky. He's the guy. He is. He needs this type of offense that we saw against Carolina where the Steelers ran the ball 45 times. Uh, the mo- You know, I'm going to go into that now. The we're, I'm going to switch gears. We're going to go to the run game. The Steelers ran the ball 45 times against Carolina. The last time they ran the ball more than 45 times was 2006 when Willie Parker, I think it was week 14, set what was then the Steelers' all-time rushing record for a single game. They ran the ball 51 times that game. Willie Parker, I think, ran 32 times for like 223 yards. The Steelers ran the ball 45 times against the Panthers. Najee Harris ran it 24 times. That's not... That's slightly over half, right? That's that's a little over half the rushes uh, were Najee Harris. That's a good thing. Jalen Warren had 11 rushes, right around a, a two-to-one ratio between uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. The Steelers played a whole lot of tight ends. They played an extra offensive lineman, 10 snaps. They played Derek Watt, nine snaps. They played Zach Gentry more than Fryermuth played. Uh, obviously, Gentler Trentry's a better blocker. Fryermuth's a much better receiver. I think that has a lot to do with Fryermuth's injury status for most of the week. I think that's also why he, you saw him get no targets. They were kind of being careful with him. But Zach Gentry played more. The Steelers really went and focused on their run game, on their run blocking, getting out there and just dominating the line of scrimmage and winning with the run game, controlling the clock, and they did it. Well, the reason I want I needed to get that out there is because for Mitchell Trubisky, he needs that. And let me tell you why. If you go back to his interceptions against Baltimore, a lot of it was him not seeing linebackers and coverage guys that weren't directly on his receiver. Leading a receiver right into a linebacker, not seeing a switch, not not reading you know leverage in a specific situation. There's little things like that that are peripheral to the route you're watching, and you can say my receiver beat this route. Boom! I'm going to throw it and lead him over here. And when you throw and lead him, there's there's somebody there. You've got to be aware 
you know, not just of the player you're throwing the ball to and the defender who may be in man coverage on him, but also where other defenders are. Trubisky struggles with that. When you force a team to load the box and you take defenders out of coverage, it opens things up for him and he can be a much better quarterback. I've compared him in the past to rookie Ben Roethlisberger. If we go all the way back, forget everything Ben Roethlisberger did after his rookie season, go all the way back to 2004 when everyone was putting eight, nine men in the box and Ben Roethlisberger could throw to Plexico Burris and Heinz Ward in single coverage. Ben Roethlisberger didn't read NFL defense as well. He didn't read the play very well. He wasn't in rhythm thrower. He was more a run around and wait till things break down kind of guy. He had the talent to make that work. Mitch Trubisky is kind of like a rookie version of Ben Roethlisberger that never got better. We all know the next year, 2005, the Steelers' offense was not as good. It was not as dominant in the run game. They didn't have, they lost Deuce Staley. They lost Plexico Burris, who was a big part of that team in 2004. And Ben Roethlisberger led that offense to a Super Bowl because he improved a lot from his rookie season. He took the wins his rookie season. He learned from it. And then the second season, he took the team to the Super Bowl and won it. Mitch Trubisky is like 2004 Ben Roethlisberger who never got better. And maybe maybe not even as good. I I think that Ben was even more clutch than Mitch Trubisky is now. Uh, But that's the kind of quarterback he is. And that's the kind of offense he needs kind of what he had in this game. If you can run the ball 45 times for 150-some yards and control the clock and do all this stuff, yeah, he can work. Play breaks down. He can scramble a bit. He can get out of some trouble, find somebody to throw to. And if you're running the ball well and and the other team has to focus on the run game, he can be an effective passer. This goes right into Deontay Johnson. This is one thing I wanted to cover with Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson was 10 for 10. Almost 100 yards. Really good stats for for Deontay Johnson, especially considering what we've been seeing from him. He was open on slants. He was open on in-cutting routes. There was a lot of routes he was able to work because the run game focus, because linebackers were up in the box, because of the personnel groups that were out there. He had space to work inside routes, and those set up outside routes. They set up everything. All of a sudden, he's able to use his quick change of direction and his route running to get open because they can't just sit a defender you know, inside of him, have the outside guy play with outside leverage, and, and he's over. You know, it's, it's pretty much done. He's not much of a threat to you at that point. Kenny Pickett is... The future right now, he is the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Kenny Pickett, I think, wins this game too. I don't think there was anything special Mitch Trubisky did in this game that Kenny Pickett couldn't have been an equal to with what he brings. Kenny Pickett needs to get NFL timing down better. He's gotten better as the season has gone on in that. He needs to read defenses and coverages, especially post-snap coverage, faster. That takes time. That took a long time for Ben Roethlisberger. 
Ben Roethlisberger wasn't that guy for a long time. There was like if you if you switched coverages from pre-snap to post-snap on Ben Roethlisberger, he just waited until he figured out. He'd stand there, figure it out, take some little extra time. If he had to, he'd throw your defensive lineman to the ground, run around a bit, and then throw a touchdown pass. Like that's that's what he would do. It took him years to get to the point where he could quickly identify a post-snap defense that had changed from pre-snap. It took Ben time. It's going to take Kenny time. I think Kenny is ahead of that curve. Uh, Ben's Ben's greatness was much more on his sheer incredible physical abilities uh, than his mental processing, and his mental processing caught up. You know, it just took him a little longer time, but he was able to survive with his physical abilities. Kenny isn't as physically gifted as Ben Roethlisberger, uh, but he's ahead of the curve you saw from him with his mental development and his reading of the game, his timing, stuff like that. But Kenny Pickett can win with this kind of offense. I think he would have won this game, but then I think Mason Rudolph probably wins this game. There aren't that many NFL quarterbacks any that are going to, you know, you're going to sit here and say, well, you know, if we dominate in the run game, if we control the clock with that and the box is being stacked and they've got time to throw, and their receivers are generally open because, you know, the other team's focused on the run game. Can this quarterback win this game? I think most NFL quarterbacks, the answer is yes. So I don't want to oversell, you know, Mitch Trubisky had a good game. I don't want to take that away from him. But also, the Steelers' offense around him kind of made this game happen. Really made this game happen. To, for this team to be good... You need improvement from the quarterback. You need some offensive line studs so that we can do what we did against Carolina against teams with good run defenders in the middle, against the Bengals with DJ Reader. You know, stuff, teams like that. Uh, you need to be able to run against, to be able to run against Baltimore's front. You've got to just have better talent on the offensive line. The running back situation, I think the Steelers have a good running back situation with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. As I said, they've split the carries well. thought that was good. George Pickens clearly has potential. Deontay Johnson is an interesting one in this kind of an offense where they were running and opening up space for him. Or when George Pickens is opening up space for him, he can, he can do some things. He is not a number one receiver. I've been, I've been saying this for a while. I think he is a quality number two receiver. But he needs to be that number two receiver. You look at games where he is the focal point of the offense. It doesn't go well. Now, he was the by far the most pass to wide receiver in this game. And with Pat Fryermuth off, he was out. He was the focus of the passing game. But it was the run game this game. The run game opened up opportunities for Deontay Johnson in this game. Deontay Johnson's a very good number two. If you have a legit number one across from him, he's going to get you yards and stats and production. The kind of player who could uh, lead a team in receptions when someone else leads it in yardage. If you go back to the Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning when they had Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Thomas was clearly their number one receiver, but Emmanuel Sanders often led them in stats. You know, Deontay Johnson could be that kind of receiver in an offense with that kind of wide receiver. 
George Pickens develops into that kind of receiver. He's shown he has some promise and some potential to say, hey, he could do this. Deontay Johnson could be that guy. Pratt Fryermuth, that guy. Like, on offense, I think the Steelers can be a good team with most of the players they have. I think your big need to upgrade is on the offensive line if you want to beat other good teams. They do need a number three receiver. We don't have three receivers. You get a talented number three receiver, that helps too. All right, we're going to take a break. When I come back, we're going to talk about the defense from the same angle. How far away is the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense from being good? Another day Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Room Floor is brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're checking in to all of our podcasts. Wherever you are listening to this, you can catch every single one of our audio podcasts. You can click over in the evenings to YouTube. Behind the Steel Curtain Radio has all of our live evening shows. And make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all of our online content and all your Steelers news. This week is a special week. Coming up, the Steelers are facing off against the Oakland Raiders. Anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Throwback jerseys. All kinds of things are going to be happening. Make sure you're tuning in to Behind the Steel Curtain for all your updates on that game. All your prep for it. I know I'm excited for Wednesday night and our Know Your Enemy show where we bring in someone from the Raiders to talk about this game. Can't wait for that. It's always fun. And it's going to be a good week. Make sure you're tuning in to Behind the Steel Curtain, and we're going to take this journey right there with you. Looking at the Steelers' defense. The Steelers' defense has had star power, and they still do. T.J. Watt obviously has not been T.J. Watt this year so far, he doesn't he still doesn't appear to be fully 100%. Uh, but at the same time, I also want to bring up the fact that he does not have Keith Butler anymore. Keith Butler did a great job of scheming TJ Watt into situations that were perfect for him, that fit his skill set. His skill set is he's an epic finisher. He's one of the best finishers in the league. He's not a creator. T.J. Watt is not a guy who goes out there and, you know, is going to set up the rest of his teammates for success. Now, in saying that, I understand that if he rushes and the quarterback's running away from him, often the quarterback runs to other defenders and gets sacked. He has created sacks for other people in that way. But that is because they designed the play for him to rush. And the quarterback is evading the rush from T.J. Watt that the rush was designed to create. Uh, Keith Butler did such a good job designing pass rushes. He had a lot of weaknesses in his defensive scheme, especially when he was in charge of coverages. But the pass rush, Keith Butler was phenomenal. And T.J. Watt was consistently put in positions to be the guy making the play. 
because he was the guy that would make the play. It's like if you have, you know, think about it. If you have a basketball player who's a three-point shooter, you create opportunities for them to shoot three-pointers. If you have a football player who is a finisher in the backfield, tackles for a loss, forcing fumbles, interceptions off, you know, batted balls, whatever, all that stuff T.J. Watt does great, you set him up for that. That's what you do. The same as if you have a, a cornerback who's great in deep coverage. You don't use him as a cover two guy and ask him to tackle running backs and hold the edge. If you have a guy like Joe Hayden, who was a fan at his age was a at, when he joined the Steelers was a fantastic cover two corner, but couldn't be on an island against deeper routes without having trouble. Well, you play that person to their strengths and you let them shine with what they do well. That's just good coaching. T.J. Watt had a coach who was phenomenal at that. I do want to bring that up because I feel like often it's hard to it's hard to split the balance of how good T.J. Watt is, but also how good his coach was at putting him in positions to maximize his skill set. That's that's key coaching, right? That's key to it. Keith Butler was great at that as far as pass rush is concerned, and T.J. Watt. With Keith but- Butler, was top of the world. You know, he's he's the best in the world. He would have beaten his brother J.J. Watt's record to to the sacks. Uh, he didn't get there because of injuries and because of lower production this year. I think if Keith Butler's here this year, even with the injuries, T.J. Watt gets that number before his brother J.J. Watt did. Uh, that's. That's my thoughts on TJ Watt. He is, however, not clearly not 100% right now. Alex Highsmith is developing. He is becoming a great, great 1A to, for TJ Watt. You know, you have a 1 and a 1A and a 1B. He would be the 1B in that case, TJ Watt the 1A. Uh, but Alex Highsmith is turning into a great compliment for TJ Watt. Outside linebacker is pretty well set. Obviously, we are always having that quest for a number three outside linebacker. Uh, but that's understandable. That's an understandable struggle to have three really good outside linebackers when most of the league doesn't have two edge guys. Most teams don't have two good edge guys, let alone complaining about not having a third. When we look at the defensive line, Cameron Hayward, really good game this week. He only played 39 snaps. Eighth lowest snap total as a starter for his career. He started 145 games. Only seven times has he played fewer snaps than this week. And he played 85% of the defensive snaps. The Steelers' offense dominated time of possession. The Steelers' defense got a lot of three and outs early. I think it was four straight at one point after the opening drive. After the uh, second drive of the game was like a touchdown. I think they had three straight uh, three and outs. Four out of five drives in the first half were only three plays. That's good. That's great. Second half, those drives started getting longer. They started having more success against the Steelers' defense, but they didn't have time. They didn't have time to do it, and the Steelers' defense was able to hold them to field goals in large part because they only played 46 snaps. Cameron Hayward, it's not hard to get great play from Cameron Hayward when he only has to do it 39 times in a game and not 60. That's a big difference. That... Steelers defense falling off late, giving up points late, giving up a lot of rushing yards late in the game. It doesn't happen 
if you never get to that phase. You know, if, if, if the Steelers defense starts to struggle after 50 snaps and they don't play 50 snaps, then you didn't get there, right? They didn't struggle late in the game because the, the situations that cause late game struggles never came up. The Steelers offense put them in that position as well as the defense getting those three and outs early. Cameron Hayward, at his age, I, I don't want to talk too much about this because he himself hates this discussion, and he's still playing at a high level, but not what we saw last year. I can't say if it's injury or if it's age or what. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, next year, I guess, we'll find out more. We have the rest of the defensive line. Larry Ogunjobi is good. He's a good number two defensive lineman. If Cam is starting to drop off, then the defensive line is not going to be good with Larry Ogunjobi being like a main guy, right? Tyson Alualu in his final season. Uh, Isaiah Loudermilk and DeMarvin Leal are young. Neither of them look like they're going to be that number one guy. The Steelers need a really high-end young stud defensive lineman I've been championing this for a couple of years because I want a young guy to play with Cameron Hayward before Cameron Hayward is just hanging on, you know? I would have loved to have seen a young stud defensive lineman in the last two years, either last year or both last, you know, 2020 and 2021, playing with Cameron Hayward. I think that would have been fantastic for their development that kind of mentorship and leadership and, and being able to see him do what he does on the field. I think that would be great for any young, absolute stud of a defensive lineman. Steelers need that player. The inside linebackers. I think the inside linebackers of this team are fine. If they get the defensive line improved. I, I know there's a lot of problems with the linebackers. I know people can break down film and say this linebacker made the mistake. You can show times where they're getting blocked Devin Bush does not beat offensive linemen who make it to the second level, right? To me, maybe I'm I'm not very hard on my linebackers, but to me, that's always to me a situation where you just don't let the defense offensive line get to the second level, then. You know, like if they don't get to the second level, then that's not a problem and you're you're winning. You win the run game by winning the defensive line. If you win the line of scrimmage, the rest of the guys can flow to the ball and have an easier time. The Steelers, when they are great on defense, have that kind of defensive line. They don't right now. Uh, so for me, instead of upgrading the linebackers, I think you're much better off upgrading the defensive line because you solve two problems with one solution. Instead of upgrading the linebacker situation and then having to still upgrade the defensive line. Upgrade the defensive line. Make the linebackers better that way. Steelers cornerback situation, not the best. We've talked about this a number of times. That needs to be better. The Steelers' safety room is really good. They had a good game. They were a big part of the run defense this this week. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is playing more in the slot and in the box than ever before. In this game, he was up there a lot. He, he plays some cornerback against teams when they run more. He, he does a lot of interesting things for them. And the addition of DeMonte Kazi has freed him up to do that. I love it. I, I, I love what they're doing with the three safeties. I'd like to see more of it. Especially with the cornerback room they have. Cameron Sutton is going to be here. 
he's he's a really solid number two. Steelers, in my opinion, need that number one cornerback. I, I think we're looking at a team that's not that far from being a good team. But if you've noticed their needs that I'm talking about here, there's one thing in common. They're all high-end players. You need some high-end talent on the offensive line. You need some high-end talent added to this defensive line. You need a number one cornerback. That's not a lot of bodies. Maybe five players. Four or five players would really solve this team. The problem is you need them all to be really good. There's not a lot of room for adding mid-level players and upgrading positions here. This isn't a team that just has a few holes, a few small holes to fill. There's some big shoes to fill here. And what this means for a team that just doesn't have the kind of talent across the board to be the team that is a playoff contender right now is you have to win the games that you can win. And that's what we're seeing from this Pittsburgh Steelers team. If you look at teams on their on their schedule, you look at the, the, the results so far, the record for the Pittsburgh Steelers, since week five, since the end of the Jets game, right? You, you take out those first four games when the offensive line wasn't playing good, Kenny Pickett comes in in the Jets game. Since then, the Steelers have beaten every single team they have faced that currently right now in this season has a losing record. They are 5-0 against teams with a losing record since the Jets game. They're also 0-4 against teams with a winning record. Teams that are just physically better than the Steelers are beating them. But the Steelers are beating every team that is on their level. To me, that, that stands out that it's not the worst situation here, that maybe the coaching isn't as bad as we think it is. I mean, it could be obviously better on offense. There's been a lot of mistakes Matt Canada's made, but the offense is actually starting to execute well. We're, we've seen, you know, four games out of the last five with no turnovers. We're seeing good num- amounts of points per drive. When you, when you look at the scoring, people often just look at the final score, but when you look at points per drive, the Steelers are actually not bad. Since the bye week, they're just outside the top 10 in points per drive. And they're doing it while limiting the number of drives to help protect the defense. It's not bad. The scheme is actually not bad now that the players are executing it better. It is going to be interesting to see how they do the rest of the game. Obviously, uh, when when you look forward to the rest of the schedule, the Steelers have three games left. Two of them against teams that currently have a losing record in the Raiders and Browns. One team with a winning record, the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers need to win all three games to get a winning record. They can get to 9-8 and eight if they can win all three games. If they win, if they follow what they've been doing, beating teams with a losing record, losing to teams with a winning record, uh, then we'll see them finish the season at 8-9. and nine. It's going to be interesting to see how they finish out. And when we move on to this offseason, invariably, 
it's going to be a big deal because there's a lot of holes that need high-end talent here. The Steelers, in my opinion, saw this coming. They went and got their new personnel guy, the guy in charge of drafting and, and scouting, uh, Weidel from, from Philadelphia. He is a defensive line, offensive line guy. That's where his strengths lie. He brought in some people with him that do that. Look for that kind of development from this team. And if the Steelers can hit on that, they can be a good team very soon. Very soon. Hopefully, as soon as next year. I could see this team pushing for the playoffs in next season. That would be that would be a great thing. It'd be a lot more fun than this season. Where we're just, you know, looking and saying maybe these long odds occur and we'll end up with a nine and eight record. But that's the state of the Steelers right now. They're not far from good, but they're not super close either. The good news is they're beating all of the teams on their level. All the other mid-level teams, they're they're beating them. They're winning them. Close games, and they're, they're pulling them out. All right, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Make sure you tune into all our podcasts. Check them all out on Behind the Steel Curtains family of podcasts, click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Have a great week. Have a Merry Christmas. And as always, let's go Steelers. Steelers.